Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. There's confidence as a result of faith, but it's in what we hope for. There is assurance in biblical faith, but it's in what we don't see. I submit to you that it is easier for me to be confident in what I have, what's tangible, than to live in a confidence of what I'm hoping will be. But that reveals my need to have biblical faith to grow within my soul and spirit so that the seismic shift can happen within my heart and yours if need be to where my confidence is at its best to where I can say I have a greater confidence than I've ever had in my life and it doesn't have anything to do with what I have. It has everything to do with what I'm hoping for. This kind of challenge of what we have versus what we're hoping for, they're not even in the same time. What I have exists in the past and the present. What I'm hoping for only lives in the future. Often the meaning What builds the constitution of who we are comes from what we have. And the Bible challenges us today. Could our meaning actually be built not on what we have, but where our hopes are? Faith in God that gives us a confidence for what we hope for. What you have It does give meaning, and we never are ungrateful for what we have, but faith lives in our hopes in what God is about to do. And when you live this way, yeah, when you live this way, it makes you a prisoner of a great expectation. Your hope for the future pulled you into this day with a certain energy and vision. Then it says that our assurance is in what we do not see. I submit to you that it's easier to have assurance in what I do see. I'm thankful for this building. I know it's here. I'm thankful for this platform. I'm I'm thankful for what I see happening with this new building. But there's a lot of that new building that is certain. We just don't see it yet, but it's coming. And the challenge of Scripture today is, can I place an assurance in what I don't see yet? That faith doesn't just measure success by what is seen. It actually measures success by putting your faith in what you don't see yet. Can I have that chair right there, please? 
I'm not asking for a chair because I'm old and need to sit down. I got an illustration. I am old. You know, Pastor David, actually, I need that other one that's right beside it. Thank you. Just, it's easier if you'll fold it before you hand it to me. Thank you. Thank you. Now, if I invited you to the platform, and I said, faith would sit in the unseen, where are you going to sit? Now, as your pastor, I would like to sit here and preach to you to sit there, right? If I'm not careful, this is much easier to preach than it is to live. Because it's easy, I just sat down in this chair with no thought because my confidence is fixed. It can sustain. I have an assurance. But how about that chair? Faith sits in this chair. The kind of confidence and assurance that I have there, the Bible is calling me to have that in what I'm hoping for and I don't see. You ready? My glutes and my hamstrings are not ready for this <laughs> or anything else. The challenge today is to hear Paul writing to the Thessalonians and he said, church, I'm praising God for you because I see your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope. I just came from meeting with a lot of pastors and if we aren't careful we place meaning on what we see, budgets, buildings, attendances, metrics of people say, people heal, all good stuff. But Paul never assessed the health of a church based on those things. He said, writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a great church puts a metric on the kind of faith you have in God for what you're hoping for. The kind of assurance you have in God for what you don't even see yet. The enemy of your soul would love to get you into this chair and to keep you there instead of moving into the adventure of what real faith is all about. Now let's allow the scripture to give us a case study Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking for a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. That's heaven, by the way. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. 
Verse 12. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. God help me to preach this. Abraham is sitting in what he had and what he could see. And faith placed a challenge. And the word of the Lord is, let's go. And Abraham took a step. And that step opened up a vision story. Your vision story starts when you step from what you have and see and move your confidence into what you're hoping for and you don't see yet. And that step that you take starts in your mind when you shift by the power of faith in God to live completely different than anyone else. Because most people that you will talk to, Christian, certainly non-Christian, their confidence is always and only what can be measured tangibly. What they have. They even describe their success by what they have. Look at this and look at this what they have and what you can see. And God's calling a people who will say your success is when your confidence is out in this vision story and you assign a hope to what can be and an assurance. It's a substance. It's an evidence within you. It just hasn't come into the natural realm Yet, oh my God, Abraham, look up, see the stars, Abraham, see all the sand, your descendants will be as many as the stars, and the sand, write this down, sand and stars, a church, a believer, that will have a sand and stars vision, like it's bigger than you could ever imagine. It's beyond any, it's way beyond what you could comprehend. Like your eye can't really see it and your ear can't really hear it. Your mind can't even, oh, what God has in store. But Abraham, I'm going to try. Abraham, look up. Now look at the sand. That's what's about to happen. But Abraham was too old to have kids. And so was Sarah. And from that promise to even having his first son, Isaac, was 20 years. Could there be a church that will hold on to vision no matter how long it takes? Five years in, Abraham could have said, forget this. Ten years in, he goes, forget this. Here I am walking around going, I'm going to have descendants like the stars, like the number of the sand. I don't even have a son. It's been five years. It's been ten years. 
20 years into it, Isaac was born. And now that promise has been fulfilled. Man. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, if he can find a church that will put their faith beyond the natural realm, what you can see, what you can measure, and put your faith in a promise and hold on to that promise, then God can take you on an adventure that will absolutely reach the category of the supernatural work and you'll find yourself saying, look what God has done. Look what God has done. Abraham, yeah, I, I just, I never can talk about this passage without talking about this application. Abraham would move from city to city. He was a sojourner to give us a picture to know that we're on our way to heaven. This isn't heaven but we're on our way to heaven. Can I get an amen right there? We're on our way. And so every time Abraham would come into a new community, the first thing he would do was build an altar. And that said to everybody, I have a relationship with God. The second thing is he would put up a tent to say, I won't be here very long because I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Can you imagine when Abraham finally stepped into heaven and the Lord is able to say, you don't have to build an altar here. The throne is the altar. And you don't have to put a tent up here because you have made it home. Come on and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Put a praise on the fact that we're on our way to heaven. Jesus is coming. Come on. It's worth the race. It's worth the fight. It's worth having faith in God. Mm. So the vision story starts with a step. He stepped out of his comfort zone. He stepped out of what was familiar. He stepped out of what was certain. And he stepped into the unfamiliar and the uncertain. He didn't know where he was going. So he didn't have a clue how long it would take to get there. Oh, for a church that will just follow Jesus. Follow. Now, if I sat down in this chair of faith and fell down, actually, I would rather fall down trying to hear God and do what God has called me to do than to sit there and only have faith in what I can see and only have assurance in what I have. Come on, let's do something for God. Let's, let's put some bold faith in Jesus. Let me give you one more example. Ecclesiastes 9. Look at this. 
writing here is King Solomon, the wisest man ever. He said, I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. So when the smartest guy ever is impressed with wisdom, we need to, we need to pay attention here. There was a small city with only a few people in it. And this powerful king came against it, surrounded it, built huge siege works against it. So here's this powerful king, attacks this small town. And Solomon says, now there lived in that city a man poor but wise. And he saved the city by his wisdom. Mm-mm-mm. You have any place to go this afternoon? It's important how you answer this question because it will determine how long this sermon is going because we should stay here for a while. We should stay in this text because Solomon is saying, as I think of myself, the wisest man, rich, authority, resources of military, military strategists, and here's a man who doesn't have money and he doesn't have authority to gather those resources needed to save the city. Yet this nameless man saved a city and he saved a city with wisdom. He caught a vision of wisdom that became a strategy. Thank God. We are not given the strategy of how he saved the city because people like me would sit in the scene and say, let me give you seven points from the poor man's strategy to save a city. And the point is not his strategy. The point is the wisdom. The point is not to know because how God did that will be unique to that man. What God's going to do in your life is unique to you, what's the same is we need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit so that vision gets us up and out of all the comfort and familiar and we step into our vision story with faith in what we're hoping for with assurance in what we don't even see. But it's as real to us as what we do See, you, write this down, you're not limited by what you don't have. And I appreciate those two responses because that's about how many people believe what I just said. Me included, right? Let's, real talk. How do you do something with nothing? If you came to me and said, hey, the church could do so much more if you had a million more dollars. So here's a million. I'd go, you have heard from God. Because you could, right? You could. See, most people in this chair, here's what they say. I feel like God's called me to do something, but I don't have the money. I feel God's calling me to a vision story, but I don't have the right network. I feel God has a vision story for me, but I can't do it. I don't have the talent. See, that's, hey, poor man, how did you do it? 
I need to know your strategy. And that's not the point. The point is wisdom. Because you're not limited by what you do not have. He didn't have money. He didn't have authority. He didn't have military. He had a God who gave him wisdom. This is so liberating. And this reminds you the way the vision story works is when you take the step because you've had a shift in your mind that faith is in what you're hoping for and you take the step, that's where faith activates. Faith activates the provision for the vision. And you walk into the resources that you're going to need to do what God has called you to do. Because what's obviously implied in Ecclesiastes 9, I mean, the, the powerful king didn't decide to just walk away. They did form strategy, and they saved their city. If we will be people of faith, then we'll get what we need as we need it. Amen? Now, th- how does that apply? That applies to the, the sweet lady Kelly and I prayed with last night whose sons are away from God, and they're divided. They, they're angry at each other, and there's a mom who is holding on to God, and rather than to sit in a seat that says they're divided and backslidden, she moved over and said, I'm going to put my faith in them being right with God and reconciled to one another. That's how it applies. Now, you bring that into your season and your situation and let God speak. Now, I want to give you Hebrews chapter 12, just a couple of verses, and I want to read it to you in the Passion Paraphrase and Translation. It's on the screen, take in every word. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. I never get tired of reading that. Who's in that cloud of witnesses? Abraham. Abraham who's like today going, get out of that chair. Get into this chair. You'll be so glad you did. This is where your life happens. You you hear a Joseph saying, don't let your dream, even though it's delayed, don't think it's been denied. You hear a Joseph saying, I got a dream, talked about my dream, got thrown into a pit. Wasn't expecting that. By my own brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused, ended up in prison. And from getting the dream and stepping into the vision story, it was 13 years before I was prime minister and saving a nation, which is the dream that God gave me, 13 years. And Joseph would say, watch this. We got to add this next verse. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. 
You can't move into your vision story if you're bitter. You can't move into your vision story if you're angry. If you are tied to things that have happened in the past. And Joseph would say, let it go. And watch God take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good to the saving of many nations. Mm. He goes on to say, we're surrounded by this cloud and we let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Everybody has a weakness. And so repent, guard your heart, put up special accountability in that area of your life because just like a a past wound can keep you from being at your best, if you're in a private, secret sin pattern, it will neutralize the vision story of your life. You'll run into the wall and you will have to sit around thinking about what could have been. Now, come on and just let it go through the power of repentance. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race. I love that description. We will run life's marathon race. How? With passion. Everybody say passion. Now say it with passion. And determination. Say determination. You getting the vision today? Faith moves you out of what you have to what you're hoping for. Moves you from assurance in what you see to what you don't see. Now you're running. And you're running with passion. That's fire. You're running with determination. That's grit. Because like Abraham, when you're waiting, like Joseph, when you're waiting, some days it's the passion of vision that will keep you. Some days it's just the determination. I said yes to God. You called me. You're faithful. I'm not going to quit. Sometimes it's passion. Sometimes it's determination. Have you seen those four-wheel drive cars now? They have the computer. And if you're in like snow and the right tire is just spinning, 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 but the left has more traction, the computer will take the energy that the right tire is using, slow it down, and put the power on the left tire that has traction. The Holy Spirit in you. Man, I didn't say this last night or this morning. And I, this is, feel the push right now. The Holy Spirit is saying, sometimes it's your passion for God and vision that's got the traction. And you go. Sometimes a fire burns down a bit. And so the Holy Spirit puts all of the energy in that determination you have that said, I have the grit to keep going when I don't feel the fire and I don't feel good and I don't feel God. I've never walked by what I see 
and I've never let adversity tell me that God must be absent. So I will just keep making progress. I'm going to keep getting up. I'm going to keep giving him 100%. And then there are days where the passion and determination, they're just like, let's, they're high-fiving each other. You know what I'm talking about. You know. Let's keep reading. Oh, this is so good. Let's go to the next slide. We look away from the natural realm. and We focus our attention and expectation. Attention and expectation. Preachers in the room, you can preach all day on passion and determination, attention and expectation. Our attention and expectation is on Jesus. Get this. When I move from what I see to what I don't see, I'm not focused on what I don't see. I'm focused on Jesus who is building vision in me and it will move into the natural realm. Look away from the natural realm. You know what the, the transfer to you and me is this. Get a new reference point. If you're waking up and going immediately to Facebook and Boogaloo 9442, and what is, if you're looking, <laughs> if you go to all that stuff, the devil will see to it that it'll be something to feed the negative. I'm not saying don't have social media. If the first thing you do is check Fox News or CNN or Newsmax or whatever else, my phone, I didn't even ask it to do it. Like right now, I got a Fox News reality TV star issues apology amid cheating allegations. Washington Post. This has just come up while I was preaching. It's crazy in those streets. <laughs> and, I'm, you know, and if you wake up to that, and this gets to be the first thought, the first thing, come on, let's win the morning. Get a new reference point. Don't let this stuff be your reference point. Refer to it, but my reference point Preach with me is Jesus, my Savior, my leader. Come on, put some, put some passion in. Jesus. I'm looking to Jesus. <laughs> Win the morning. Win the morning. Help me out, worship team. Win the morning. Goliath, he would come out in the morning and talk about all he was going to do, and he would taunt Israel. And he'd show back up at the end of the day. So they had to learn how to win the morning. And your last thoughts, as the day concludes, are important. But Daniel, he reoriented his heart to God in the morning, middle of the day, and end of the day. Point, do whatever you have to do to fight distraction that would keep you in the confined life of just what you have and what you see. 
fight distractions so that you can live in what you're hoping for. And the assurance in you of what you don't see, but you know it's coming. Oh, Jesus, help us today. Help us today, Lord. I want to make sure everybody heard that. I just had a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. And it was about God, our creator, and all that he's done. And how the God of power over that is the God of power over you. And he's a faithful God. So trust him. And what you don't know was that the last thing I was about to say was the first right after our confidence is in our hope and assurance is what we do not see. It goes on to say, everything that we see was made out of nothing. So the word of wisdom that we just got was the whole last little part that I was about to say. Everything was in the mind of God, a solar system, planets, and he just spoke it. And this word of wisdom says, if he can do all that, let's trust him. And let's step into our vision story and let your confidence in who you are be built in what you're hoping for. Let your assurance, your energy, your vitality be in what you don't even see yet. This will keep you living for the sunrise. This will keep you pressing into the future. To the people my age, be very careful that you don't, from here on, just live out of memory, out of what has happened. I'm going to keep living out of imagination. I'm thankful for what he's done. And it helps support my faith that he is faithful. But I'm going to live out of imagination of what's in the future. Stand with me, everybody. Just lift your hands. Let's just pray for a little while. 
Spirit of God, you have turned this into a place of faith and vision. Do something right now, God. Do something that only you can do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I said, just pray, just seek him. Let him relax the categories of your mind that has put too small of a box around the life he has for you. It's bigger than you think it is. It's bigger than you think it is. Just like those grapes that they brought back from the promised land. They're going to look at these. The future's bigger and better than you can even imagine. Oh, come on, let faith in Jesus move you into your vision story. We praise you, God. I want to say this over you. The Holy Spirit was present at creation. The Holy Spirit was bringing order. It was awesome. And the same Holy Spirit there at creation is inside of you. So you are now a person with everything it takes to dream big, to have an awesome vision. You're a person who can live in that creativity of the Holy Spirit. I want to be a vision caster as a pastor and a leader, but to tell you, be honest with you, I'd rather be a vision creator. I want vision to be happening inside of you right now. I want your mind and your soul to be given a picture of a preferred future. I want you to hear it in the Spirit. I want you to see it by the Spirit. I still believe that the young can see visions and the old can dream dreams. Holy Spirit, be a vision creator today. A vision creator. Hallelujah. Somebody's getting out of that chair. You're getting out of the chair of the scene and what you have. And you're stepping. Here's what I'd like to offer. If that's you, you want to step into your vision story, step from where you are. Come down here. Let me pray for you today. Just stepping from where you are to this altar. It's like an action of what's happening in your spirit. I am going to step into my vision story. That's it. Just keep coming. Keep coming today. Oh, God's going to build vision. He's going to build vision. There's somewhere along the way. You got off track. So did Moses. 
He's in Hebrews 11. He's in the cloud of witnesses. And he's saying, go to the altar. Get a fresh burning bush experience. And let the same God who recalled me put a recall on your life. Back to the plans that he has for you. Somebody needs to respond to that. It's not too late. It's not too late. God wants to put your name on a mission. Come to the altar. Come to the altar today. That's it. It's not too late. It's not too late. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we turn our eyes to you as Savior, the one who sacrificed, the one who rose again, the one who is in control. You are our maker and our Lord. We want to be righteous before you, and we're that way because of your grace. Now order our steps. We step out, and we don't expect all of the answers. And we don't expect to have all of the resources up front. We're just going to step out in the wisdom. I pray a gift of wisdom. wisdom of God, the leadings of God in the life of your church. Right now, Lord. Right now. Right now. I'm telling you, the step that you're taking is so sovereign, so strategic. It's happening in your heart. There's a shift. Faith in God is shifting you from what you have to what you're hoping for. From what you see to what you can't see except by the Spirit. You're getting beyond the natural realm. A new reference point. Hallelujah. Oh, let the joy of vision, the energy of vision Put a fresh momentum in your spirit today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing all my life. You've been faithful. I want you to think about the lion and the bear. God gave David victory. David said, the same God who is the same God who will give this giant. He's faithful. Let's declare it with all of our hearts.